You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Hey, welcome to The Devoted Podcast. Well, here I am back in the closet. I told you guys I might drop a little bonus episode this summer, and I just wasn't sure how it would all fit in. But here's the thing, guys. We just wrapped up the Renewed Conference at Athey Creek yesterday. So I'm recording this the day after. Is my brain a little fuzzy? Is it a little tired? Yes, it is. So we will just see how this goes. But I literally woke up at 5.50 this morning, still just mulling over all the things that we covered in the conference so much. We learned so many things in the word. I just loved it. It was it was challenging. And yet it was there was so much clarity in it. And I think a lot of you guys felt the same way. So I'm going to start this by saying, hey, if you did not get to watch the conference. Maybe you weren't one of the many who got to attend in person. We are going to release those on the Athey Creek Women YouTube channel. So I think it's Athey Women and you can subscribe to that YouTube channel and then you can just see when any new teaching and anything drops in there. But that'll come in there this week. In fact, probably by the time this podcast comes out, it's probably already going to be on the website. So go check that out. And we're going to put all the sessions there that we had with Elisa Childers, who was our speaker. So I just wanted to come on this morning and kind of talk to you guys about my highlights and takeaways and some things that maybe some things that I heard from you guys and just other things that just really struck me that I just thought were so important for us to cover. So I guess if you weren't at the conference, I'm just going to leave this up to you. Do you think you should listen to this podcast first or should you go listen to the sessions first? So I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to really throw too many spoilers out there, but maybe this will be enough of a little bit of a trailer, I guess, for the conference so then maybe you can go back and if you missed it go and catch them but I'm going to go watch them again they are there's just a lot in there and I really would encourage you guys to watch it share it this one's an important one. It really is. So as you know, we had Elisa Childers join us for the conference and I was able to do a podcast with her man, have no idea when that episode released, but it was a great conversation. So hopefully you guys have already had a little bit of an introduction to her. She is an apologist. She is an author. She has her own podcast, which I highly recommend. I'm going to refer to that probably a lot even today because there's not, you can't hit on everything. And remember, you can search these things like for people that have really done the some work on this stuff, you can go to her YouTube channel and you can just like search for a question. Likely you're going to come up with a video of something that she's already done or an episode that she's done on that, that that could be really helpful to you. So I would really encourage you to do that. But so Elisa came on Friday is when we started and Friday night, she just she presented her story and her testimony of when she was kind of brought face to face with a very progressive church that what I thought was interesting, she didn't see it as progressive right off the bat. And I think that is something that is so tricky about the progressive Christian movement is it is so deceptive in that the words can sound very similar. In fact, sometimes the words are exactly the same, right? They can use the same scriptures, but they can have a different context or they can be pulling something in a way that it shouldn't be. But it can be really tricky and we really do need to be discerning. So she was in this church for some time. If you guys have read her book, Another Gospel, you've followed along with this story on how she encountered this church, kind of went into a class where they were challenging all of these really core beliefs about Christianity. And what I loved about her story is because here's one thing that I have encountered when I read things from progressive authors, or maybe even people that they don't necessarily identify themselves 
themselves as a progressive Christian, but a lot of times some of the things that they do are absolutely in line. And one of them is that they love questions. And I love questions. Questions are not a bad thing, are they? But what is interesting among those that kind of ascribe to more of the progressive Christian movement is that actually the questions are more important than the answers. And they love to posture these questions. I was actually just exposed to this kind of recently and someone was giving a speech and they were talking about someone that they know and respect and would go to them with for questions about, you know, just just advice and counsel, a godly, godly individual, right? And they talked about kind of in an affirming way, they were talking about going to this person and with their questions and then coming out with 20 more questions than when they went in. And they were kind of posturing it as a this is a good thing. Like, oh, this is so good. He makes me think and all of that. And again, we do want to think and we do want to be free to ask those questions. But it is interesting to me that the idea of questioning is often elevated above the answers. Questions are not a bad thing. Questions are good. But here's the thing. We got to always remember that there are answers for those questions. And Elisa, I felt really brought us back to that idea of, hey, when you have those questions, go to the word, go to some really solid theological sources because others have asked those questions. She did a ton of research, as you guys noticed, where she went all the way back to the early, early, early church fathers. And this was a good like historical review for me in a lot of ways. She went back to even some of the early, early creeds. And we've talked about 1 Corinthians 15 often as one of the, it is the gospel. I mean, it's, it's just wrapped up so clearly there, but that actually was a creed also in the early church. And so always coming back to the word and the others that have made like the people that were really close to that event in history, because there are answers to those questions. That That's just something that kind of, I don't know, it kind of strikes me as why would you want to just remain questioning? I mean, again, the questions not, aren't wrong, the questions aren't bad, but know that the Lord has that answer. Now, while I say that, now it's going to sound like I'm going to say something completely different. Does that mean then that we're going to come to passages in in scripture and we're just going to have them all totally figured out? It totally doesn't, right? I mean, there's going to be stuff that we're going to come across in scripture and we're going to, huh, I don't really know about that. But the thing is, is I actually think that's okay too, to just kind of, kind of be okay with things that are difficult passages in scripture and trusting the Lord to maybe he's going to answer that in a different passage in your study a year down the road, five years down the road, but keep trusting in the Lord for that. And don't let that shake you, if that makes sense. So I don't know, maybe that sounded like a double answer, but I do feel like the questions are good, but remember that the word always does have those answers. And and I loved the model that she kind of walked through on Friday of really going and finding those answers and not being afraid of the questions, but knowing that the Lord is there and Jesus has that perfect answer for it. So I just really loved walking through that. And also on Friday, she went through some of the real core essentials of salvation. And we've talked about that on the podcast as well, guys, because we've talked about how important it is you have to know what the real thing looks like in order to be able to spot the deceptions that are out there. And there's a lot, a lot of deceptions. But if you do not know what the real thing is, you know, we've talked about it in the analogy with money, right? You know, and if you handle real money at the bank, when they're trained to do that, they know what it feels like so that the moment they even touch a counterfeit bill, they know exactly that it's fake. We should be that same way with some of the false teachings and things that are out there, some of the lies in culture, 
We should be able to spot those things a mile away. But the problem is, is we often don't because we don't know the real thing. And that's why it's so important. That's what I hope the focus always is and always comes back to on this podcast is to go to scripture and to really find out what the real thing is. What is Jesus really saying? What did Jesus really do? What do we mean by repentance? What do we mean by justification? Great questions, but look to the word to find those answers. Another thing that she hit on Friday was she talked about the remnant. And I thought this was interesting, and I might not go into this too much right now because I might kind of unpack this a little bit on a different episode, but she was addressing all of us as being the remnant and, and sort of equipping the remnant in this world that has gone so far off track. But there is this remnant. I just did a quick like little Google search on, you know, got questions. And remnant is what is left. I mean, it's just kind of like leftovers, right? I don't think it's really trying to put us in the scraps category, but kind of think about that. But it's remnant. It's just what's left of obviously a greater multitude or a greater portion of people. And that's kind of us right now. Do you ever feel like right now when whether you're at your work or in your school or maybe you feel like that lone duck, even in maybe in your extended family, and you feel a little bit like the remnant. You feel like just a little bit that's still clinging to the one true way. I Matthew 7, 13 and 14 says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. You know, guys, that's really us. And I just thought that was such an encouragement to remember that, yeah, it might feel like we are a little bit in that scraps. We're a little bit in the leftover category because it seems like it's just the vast multitudes that are walking in a way that is so ungodly and so against the Lord. But how can we equip and encourage the remnant? I felt Friday night as I was sitting there that there was a remnant there in that room that was really being encouraged and equipped in where we're at right now. And I hope that, first of all, kind of gives you a little bit of some solidarity with some other believers of we are are walking this together, but also just kind of confirming, guys, that the road, the way right here that it's saying, that gate, it's narrow. And scripture tells us that it's wide is that path to destruction. So it shouldn't shock us that it is the multitudes and it's all these folks out there that really are walking in this wide path to destruction. Scripture said that would be happening, and that says that right there in Matthew 7. But narrow is the gate. So yes, it's a fact and be kind of confirmed in that. But look how you ways that you can even encourage the remnant. I felt so encouraged on Friday. We had so many voices in there in worship at the beginning of that session. And it was just such a sweet thing. That's one of the things, guys, that post-COVID, I'm just never going to be able to take that for granted again. Because we lost that for a while. We lost being able to come and gather and corporately worship the Lord. And I want to draw a distinction because I do think sometimes when there's women's conferences or, you know, we can kind of get trapped up in the emotion or the feeling of worship. That's not a wrong thing. Those feelings are there and you can have an emotional response with worship, but we never should worship worship. On Friday night, we had all these women just raising their voices. I just sensed that piece of being so encouraged of the remnant that we were all together in this and we were just honoring and glorifying the Lord. And to me, I was like, that's what worship should be. That should be believers coming together and just really glorifying the Lord, not to worship for the sake of worship, but just to be there and very being very mentally engaged even in, in the words that we're singing and really 
worshiping the Lord as it was meant to be. And that was a sweet, sweet thing. And, and I know many of you that were there, you felt that same thing. And I hope that was really encouraging to you. But talk about something we just don't ever want to take for granted again, right? That we can come together and we can actually worship all together. It was such a sweet thing to honor the Lord just with our voices. And it was to hear everyone. It was amazing. Okay, and then Saturday, we came back all bright and early. And that was where she really focused on the pretty little lies, as she calls them. And those were in two really, really meaty sessions. You just do not want to miss those. The way she is able to spell those out, she kind of she does it in a three pronged way, I suppose. So she presents what the lie is in culture. And then she kind of tells us what some of the philosophical underpinnings are of that. And then she presents the biblical evidence and the biblical truth that combats that lie. And I just loved the way that was packaged because I feel like it is really necessary, first of all, to recognize what that lie is because we're seeing it all the time. And I'm going to talk about a couple of them, but then also to know what's underneath that. Where's that coming from? Because I think sometimes if we just focus on the lie on the surface and try to just attack that phrase maybe, or, you know, address that thing, but we don't look and see what really is underneath that, we're not really going to get to the root of it. You know, it's like pulling weeds. You can break it off at the top and you can get rid of the weed. But if you actually don't go underneath and pull out the entire root, it's just going to grow right back. So it's important to kind of look at what is underneath this lie. And then obviously the biggest piece is then to go to scripture and see what does the Bible say about that lie? Because that's where we come back to knowing what that real thing is so that when we see that lie, we can, you know, see it for what it is. All of the ones that she covered I don't want to say that they're just specific to women, because, of course, the enemy can deceive any anyone, male or female, for sure. But for us, ladies, these just struck a particular chord for me, because I think we see these so much. You know, don't forget that the enemy, he knows what's going to trip us up. And he's going to be good at it. He's crafty, he's shrewd, and he knows the things that are going to kind of trip us up. So one of the ones that she addressed, and I'm not going to go through all of them, the very first one, and we've talked about this on the podcast, we've talked about this in Devoted Live before, was the lie that you are enough. And I love that whenever she talked about that, she was also always very quick to say, you are not, are not enough, but Jesus is enough. Because that's really, that's the biblical response and the biblical worldview that we need to have when the world throws that at us. But there was a phrase that she said, and she reminded us that with the you are enough, or in so many really of these cultural lies, they always begin with self and they end with self. And, you know, I think it would be interesting, actually, if we just took a week of our regular social media activity, the things that we see, maybe it's the things we see on TV, maybe the conversations we had. And if we just kind of kept a running list on your notes section on your on your phone or, you know, a little sticky note of the lies that you see and how many of them start with self and end with self. And I think what is interesting about that particular phrase is I don't know if that depresses anybody else, but that completely depresses me. I mean, to think about something that starts with you and then ends with you. I mean, yuck. That's not the direction that I want to go at all. And at the same time, some things start really well intentioned. You know, we've talked a lot about the self-care movement. Is anything wrong with self-care and taking care of yourself? And no, absolutely not. And we need to be careful. We need to guard our time. We need to have boundaries and all of those things. That Those are good things. But again, the enemy is crafty and he's shrewd and he knows like, let me see if I can take 
something that maybe is well-intended and maybe something that is good. And maybe we can just embellish this just a little bit. And maybe we can make this me time thing man, maybe we can really make this a thing and, you know, make sure you're taking care of you and make sure you get, you know, just quality time just set apart for yourself. And again, how many times are you hearing me say self and you and me? I mean, you realize that underneath all of that is perhaps the underpinning of this, if you will, is it starts with self and ends with self. That's just not somewhere we want to go. Now, she expressed the The underlying lie of this lie, the philosophical piece, is that we're just basically good. You know, and if you believe that, if you believe that you are just basically good, see, then that's going to lead into that, well, if I'm basically good, guys, I really deserve this stuff. You know, I really deserve just some time for myself. I really deserve to just go do this and take this break and do this. Again, please don't hear this as going, oh, I should never take breaks and I should run myself into the ground and I should not take care of myself. Nope not what we're saying. But I think if you get defensive about that, like just ask yourself why, you know, because I would not ever tell anyone to have sort of an unhealthy, I guess, balance in how you're using your time and how the things that the Lord has called you to do. But how often do we fall into that thing that we're basically good, so we deserve this stuff. And this kind of seeps into some of the other lies we that were talked about this weekend, but also that it's just kind of my own comfort and happiness that matters. Man, that is such a lie right there. It isn't. That shouldn't be our goal. That just isn't our goal. Man, so many things I could say on that. And, you know, you guys know (laughs) I've talked about this one quite a bit. But it is really important that you are enough thing. Because really, that is meant to be a mantra and a pillow and your cup and, you know, all the things that you're supposed to, like, really encourage you that you are enough. And I actually find it one of the most discouraging things. I am certainly not enough. I am certainly not enough. We need to daily go to the Lord and be asking for the strength to do that day. Something else I've been studying just in my own personal time in the morning, I've been kind of highlighting the prayers that Jesus had. And not just Jesus' prayers, but just prayers, I guess, in general throughout Scripture. But specifically, I was looking at the Lord's Prayer. And when he says, give us this day our daily bread, there are so many times in Scripture where he really is highlighting that we're just praying for the thing that we need today, this moment. And I'm wondering, and again, I I might unpack this a little bit more later in in a different study, that there is perhaps one of the reasons, one of the reminders for us to do that with the Lord is so that we have to daily seek him. I know there's lots of things where we're praying for something that's way down the road. Maybe we're praying for a decision that is, you know, months and months away. I wouldn't say to not do that. I do do that. And we're praying for wisdom for those choices. But it was sort of a, a reminder to me of to be praying for maybe just the, the decision that's right in front of you today. What is it the Lord is asking today and seeking him. And I think that kind of goes in with the strength that we even need for today. So when somebody wants to tell you that you are enough and you are spent, you are exhausted, you don't feel anything close to being enough. It's just not encouraging to say, oh, but you are okay, that that doesn't help me out. But Jesus is enough. And then when then to go to scripture and see the things that is that enoughness in Jesus. Well, that's something that we can have confidence in, but I don't want to look into myself. So I, I'm probably spending way too much time on that one, but I just think that that one sometimes can seep into so many of the things that we see, seeking our own comfort and, and just that, oh man, we're it, we can do this and it'll be great. So anyway, I, you are enough. 
Big lie. We've talked about that one quite a bit. Another one she covered that I just wanted to look at for just a second is she the one that you are the boss of you. You know, this is the be the you're the hero of your own story and all of these things. And this is the one and I alluded to this in the other one. But again, sometimes I think these lies kind of bleed into each other just a little bit. But under that one is the lie that life is about being happy. You only deserve to be happy. Boy, guys, this is a really challenging one for me in scripture. And I and when I do read things, like even like the Beatitudes where there's all those blesseds, right? Blessed are those that mourn. Blessed are those that are poor in spirit. And it's this really, it's this sweet passage. The word blessed does mean happy. But it's interesting, the things that he is then saying, happy are those that are in, are not necessarily blessed are those that are comfortable. Blessed are those that, you know, are wealthy and don't struggle and and have no suffering. It's usually he's showing the ones that no happier, the ones that are poor in spirit, happier, the ones that mourn for they shall be comforted. It's not how the world would present what we should be find happiness in. And that is probably the most stark contrast, right? The things that the world says will make you happy. Probably just like we said before, start with self and end with self, which is empty which is kind of depressing. But the things that scripture tells us to do, are they're kind of counterintuitive to us. We don't look at when scripture, when it says, be joyful in tribulation. Hmm. We're like, well, that doesn't really sound like a fun time. But we have different definitions for that, right? Joy is different when you're looking at it through the biblical view, as opposed to what the world is going to present it as. I think that one is just a real good one to pray about journal about that a little bit. What are our aspirations in life? And are we falling for this lie that life is about being happy? I think we often do. I think that's one that just seeps in all the time and uh, one we need to be on guard on for sure. Next one that she talked about as a kind of a response to you are the boss of you and you guys know I'm going to love this because this is basically the whole nature of the podcast is the Bible is the boss of you. Love that line. The Bible is the boss of you, which she then clarified to say, which basically is Jesus is the boss of you and Jesus says the Bible is the boss of you. So This is what we do, guys, right? We want to be fully devoted to God's word, being submitted to it, whether it feels good, whether we are, you know, just thinking that, oh, we do want to put that one on a sticky note and we do want to put that one on a bumper sticker, or maybe we don't. Maybe it's a little bit of a harder word for us. It is still true. It is still God's word and God's word is the boss of us. And I love that. I love that. In this section, she actually highlighted a couple very popular speakers that have fallen into and are very much promoting the lie of you are the boss of you. They kind of promote all, all of these lies. But in this one, she was talked about Jen Hatmaker and some of and specifically that issue that Jen talks about why she changed her view on same sex marriage and same sex attraction and homosexual relations, all those things and why she changed her theological stance on that. And she relates it to this piece about the verses in scripture that talk about bad fruit. And I'm not going to go into how to uh, all of the things that Elisa talked about. I would really encourage you, you, you. She spells it out real great in the conference here. But then also she recently did a podcast where she clipped together a bunch of the videos that she's done addressing this particular issue. So I would just go to the Elisa Childress podcast and, and and search for 
Jen Hatmaker's in the title of it. <laughs> I know. I can't remember what else was in it. But it was a really good one. And it was a really good, careful explanation of what that is. Because that is, is something that can be really deceptive. And you remember how we talked about in the beginning, often progressive Christians will use scripture that is twisted, but they're using scripture. So it makes it sound like it has authority and it has validity to kind of affirm the lie that they're doing. But they are not interpreting scripture rightly in that regard. And so I think that one is really important to take a look at what really the Bible is saying by or about bearing fruit, because that one's a really, really good one. And definitely read Luke on that one. That one's a good one. Another one she talked about that I have love and I see this all the time is the one of authenticity is everything, you know? Oh, goodness. This is a funny one, isn't it? Because yes, there is the authentic I feel like when I am talking to you guys and I'm telling you guys I'm in my closet on a Sunday morning and it's crazy hot outside. If y'all think I have makeup on right now, you would be very much mistaken. You know, there's there's that kind of authentic and it's not meant in any kind of it's just like, hey, this is what I'm doing this morning. So there's that kind of authenticity that's fine. And that's just kind of the shallow stuff. And then there's the authenticity of being vulnerable and being okay with telling somebody like, hey, I've I've really messed up in this, you know, and and walking along other believers and kind of sharing the burden of struggles that we're doing. That's okay, too. But the message of the authenticity is everything for the progressive Christians. I am using that term, but honestly, you can not even call yourself a progressive Christian and you could have really fallen into this lie of authenticity is everything. All of these, you can fall into that without necessarily realizing that you're kind of walking down a progressive Christian road. But The thing that always gets me about the authenticity is everything lie is that they want you to, because you are being authentic, then it's great for you to stay in whatever mess, whatever sin you're in. It's sort of the, this is my identity. This mess that I am is my identity. And she highlighted that and she called it that, you know, the the lie underneath this is that humans just don't really need to be saved. Okay, it kind of goes back to that other one of you were basically good. So we all this but it's also just to me, this one's even a little more insidious because it's just kind of staying in your mess, staying your sin. Lots of pastors have said this, you know, I've heard my pastor say this many times where, you know, Jesus accepts all sinners. He accepts us. He died for us. He loves us, but he doesn't save us to stay in our sin. That would be being unrepentant of the sin we're in. He saved us to bring us out of sin. And I think the argument of the or the lie of authenticity is everything is sort of just like, you know what, just just stay in that because that's just who you are. That's your true self. She didn't talk about this, but it's something that came to mind when I hear this one, the authenticity is everything and, you know, find your true self. I hear a lot of Enneagram stuff in this, guys. And I haven't talked about the Enneagram on here a lot. This, I know, can be a very hot button issue for a lot of a lot of folks. We might do other episode on that. Honestly, I, the reason I haven't done it too much is because I'm not an expert in it. I have read some books. I've listened to some podcasts, you know. But again, you know, my opinion on this is I would really rather spend way more time in scripture than researching all the crazy that's out there. But here's the thing I would say about the Enneagram, because especially I think it kind of falls into this vein of the authenticity is everything. Know your true self. If you just know who you are, then, you know, everything is all good. I'm going to way oversimplify this. So if you are just all about the Enneagram, you're probably going to get, you know, not real happy with me right now. But what I don't like about it, guys, is that's what it tells you to do. It tells you to focus on you. 
It tells you to find who your true self is. And I know not everyone, but I think a lot of people then use that, hey, I've seen what my true self is and I know what my number is and all that stuff. So this is the way I am, guys. So just take it or leave it. You know, I'm a one. So what can I do? That's just who I am. That is my identity. See, I think that's wrong. I think that is the attitude of saying, hey, this is just my authentic self. Authenticity is everything. And instead of really allowing us to be transformed by what Jesus wants us to be leaving, you know, I I think you can be as one or three or whatever number you are all day long. But if Jesus calls you into something different, he can radically change that. So I just think there can be a lot of traps with that. I also would say and do some homework on this one, guys, if this is something that you are really drawn to with the Enneagram and all of that. My focus here, just highlighting this real quickly, is just to say that that is something that I think just makes you focus a ton on yourself. Again, it's just depressing. Anything that starts with you and ends with you, I just kind of want to kind of bail on that whole idea. There's some, Lisa also has a podcast on the Enneagram and, and she interviews with an author who has really, really researched this. And to be fair, guys, if you give the Enneagram an honest look, it has some really dark, dark roots. So all that to say, there is some things that I, you know, I'm not gonna spend a whole bunch more time on that. But I would take a sec to look at that and, you know, go to Elisa's channel and search for her episode she did on the Enneagram, because I think that would be helpful for you to just have a more informed understanding of really what the roots are of that. Because I really do think that it's minimally bad from the standpoint of it's just a whole bunch of self focus. And then beyond that, I think it even has some darker roots there as well that should be avoided. And the last one I'll just touch on real quick that I just love and it's just so powerful is the lie about speak your truth. And, you know, there's some big words sometimes and throughout all of these talks, you know, she talked about postmodernism, she talked about relativism and, and a bunch of things that sometimes I think our brains can get a lazy and go, oh, I, I don't know what that means. Let's just move on. But make your brain do a little work. I mean, know what relativism is. Know what this is of, oh, you know, all points of view, they're equally valid. It's all good. Like, I mean, think about that for a second. Does that even make sense to anyone? If I'm going to give you directions to the ranch I grew up on in Wyoming, there it is off of Highway 59 North. You have to go on Highway 59 North. There's all kinds of ways from Oregon to Wyoming to direct you to get there. But eventually you will have to go on Highway 59 North in order to get to my old, the old ranch that I grew up on. There's no way around that. That is absolutely true. So this idea that there's just many paths and what's true for you can be true for you. What's true for me is true for me. That should just go, wow, that actually makes no sense. I do fear guys that we have gotten a little mentally lazy. I do worry about this with our kids. I think parents, we really need to engage our kids to really think about things because sometimes I think we've lost the ability to critically think about something. So we need to look at something and when someone's like, oh, well, that that's nice. Often it's because they just don't want to push back on and we don't want to stir the pot and that we don't want there to be conflict. But there is truth. This idea that you can just speak your truth and then that makes it true is ridiculous. I mean, there's nothing that makes sense to that. Elisa gives the example of like that really, actually, nobody believes in relativism. And what she meant by that, she gave the example of you go into a bank, and you tell the bank that you, you know, you want to ha- get your $800 out of the bank. And the teller just looks at the screen, and they just see a name. They just see Bob. 
they don't see any dollars, they don't see anything. And so oh, I don't see that. And that's what's true for me. So nobody thinks that guys, nobody thinks that. So it's, it's a ridiculous argument. But how much traction has it gotten in our culture? You know, whether it's Oprah or whoever that is saying the most powerful thing that you can do is to speak your truth. Garbage on every single level, ladies. So just be on guard about that on how many things where we hear that one. Add that one to your list when you see that lie come across your screens probably almost daily. Speak your truth. Absolute lie. But what is the truth? The truth is God's word. And so that's why maybe I'll start wrapping up and kind of point you guys back to that because that's really where we want to spend our time. In the Q&A session at the end, you know, she gave some suggestions on some resources and some things that are good. And I do love that. You know, I read different scholars at times and I she talked about some apologetic sources, the Mama Bear Apologetics book. I've totally recommended that to you guys. And it is a really helpful tool, especially when you're having conversations. It, it is written, you know, moms to kids. But I would say that is a book for anyone that has anything with kids, for sure. So there's grandparents and aunts and uncles and all of that. I mean, that's awesome. But I even think beyond that, even if you're not a mom, that is such a great book because it really in an excellent way breaks down some of these crazy lies that are out there and helps you to explain these in in a great way and biblically what that looks like. Because sometimes it just is needing to critically think about these, just like what we talked about with relativism. It's it's ridiculous on its face, but we just kind of let it go and we don't really, really engage with it. Well, if you're talking to kids or you're talking to coworkers, Mama Bear Apologetics, I'm just going to tell you, it's, it's a great source for that. So resources are awesome. I'm not going to say that. You shouldn't use those. But particularly when we talk about this lie of speak your truth, I think it's also we as people who are trying to rightly divide the word of truth. Guys, just remember that the words that I say, the words that Elisa says, the words that you hear on sermons and podcasts and blogs you read in books, those are all people. And I guarantee you, I will say something really stupid at some point. For sure, I'm going to. I'm going to make a mistake. You should take everything that I say, anything that you hear, and you should always measure it against scripture because that is the truth. That's the thing that we need to spend the most time in. John 14, 6, Jesus says, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says, Jesus is the truth. I just guess I love that so much because it just brings us back to, you know, we've talked about these things where things that start with self end with self, uh, not good. Things that start with Jesus, it's the answer in there and all. And where, where do we study that? We study that in the word of God. So always combat the things of the world with the actual truth, with the word of God, with Jesus himself. And I guess one more thing I would add about on the resource and really our ultimate resource of the Bible itself. I had a gal that asked me a question about a book that she was debating about reading on prayer. I wasn't familiar with the book, so I couldn't really speak to that. But sometimes I wonder, guys, if there's a book that you have and you're like, oh, I just I don't know. Is this worth my time? You know, I sometimes wonder if there is that question in your mind of should I be reading this or not? I'm almost wondering if the answer is no. Does that sound too simplistic and maybe just not even want to do the research on it? I hope that doesn't come across as lazy, but I do sometimes wonder if you have a question about a book and you're not even real sure why. Can't even really put your finger on it. I think I'd also lump maybe some other speakers or authors maybe that are real popular out there and you're like, hey, what's your opinion about so-and-so? And sometimes those are such hard questions for me to really answer and often I won't answer them. And I and Lisa and I had talked a bit about this behind stage. If, if it's not somebody that we've thoroughly researched, you really, 
I don't want to speak to that. And she also talked about on, on stage how we just really do want to be as charitable to people as we can, because we understand that we are going to make mistakes and say things that are dumb. Now, at the same time, she did a fair amount of talking. And I would agree as well that we really do need to watch out for false teachers and people that are really propagating these lies in our culture, and we need to avoid them. I love that passage in Romans. It's in Romans 16, where it says, I appeal to you, brothers, this is uh, verse 17, Romans 16, 17, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. I did a much more expanded teaching on that on the final session of the Galatians study, because I think that one is one where you could look at those folks. And this is is what we're called to do. You need to avoid those folks. It's kind of see who those people are. And I even when it says that they talk with smooth talk and flattery. When I hear that, I hear relatable, funny stories. Because that's absolutely what Glennon Doyle and Jen Hatmaker and some of these people that I can absolutely say are false teachers and the things that they're propagating are not good. We should mark that and we should avoid that. Just stay away from that altogether. But some of these other, there are going to be people out there. And, and so we do get some really good, honest questions. I'm not telling you if you've asked me that question, I'm not criticizing that at all. But I just don't, I don't know that we can always know exactly where someone's coming from. And again, I think that's why it's important to know the real thing, know those essentials so that you are really able for yourself to be a Berean and be able to search the scriptures for the things that that person, that speaker, that conference, that podcast, search the scriptures to see if what that person is saying is true or not. So just plug away. And it's, it's cool if you don't I guess I should say it's not like it's always going to be easy, right? Sometimes we would just love to do a Google search and type in the name of the person and go, hey, is this person good for me to listen to? <laughs> That's probably not how it's going to work. I would say more than anything, the first thing you should do is just pray about it and pray about those sources. This person I was talking about that was wondering about this book, if she should read. How often, guys, if you're like, man, I would really, this book on prayer is really interesting to me. Do you know how many resources are in your very own Bible? If you have a study Bible or I have a Thompson Chain cross-reference Bible that I just love, you can just do a search for the word prayer and you can go through the scriptures and you can find all the different prayers in the Bible and do your own study on that. And here's the thing, I can tell you that that author, that source, that one's perfect. No problem there. If you're in the word of God and you're actually trying to do some of that study from the source, perfect. Okay, so I hope that comes off okay. It's not like I'm saying there there aren't resources that aren't good and that's all fine. But I really just, I always come back to scripture and how much can we filter things through that? That should really be our ultimate aim. Okay, so that was a lot. These were just some highlights. So I hope I've at least given you a little bit of a taste if you were not able to be at the conference that you wanna go and you wanna listen to those sessions that we did. It really was really important, I think, for us to hear that. So go listen to it yourself. Maybe if you're there, go give it another listen, share it and let other people hear this because I really do think it is really important for us to be aware of these lies out there and then really understand how to biblically look at the things that the world is, is throwing at us. So I still guys, who knows, you never know, I might pop into the closet here again in a couple weeks, but I am still working on what the schedule and the episodes will look like I'm planning to come back on full time, you know, with the, the weekly stuff in September, but I'm not trying to sound noncommittal, but I truly, truly do just 
really pray and ask the Lord, man, Lord, are you into this right now? And I really want to be obedient to that. So if you had a takeaway from the conference or something that you would like to add, or, you know, maybe there's something that you want us to look at some scriptures on here on the podcast, I would love to hear from that. You can go to the notes and you can see the email. We're at the devoted podcast at atheycreek.com. You can also find us on Instagram at atheywomen, or you can follow my own one. I think it's A.M. McReynolds. Isn't that really catchy? But I think that's what I am on Instagram. Guys, I'm so ignorant on Instagram. It's painful. So have patience with me there. Thank you for tuning in to the Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of AV Creek Christian Fellowship in Westland, Oregon. For more resources, or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at atheecreek.com.